Elon buys Twitter, he sells a bunch of shares and everyone loses their mind and free speech. Let's get started. Welcome to the weekly review. I'm Farzad Misbahi, and this is my weekly sit down where I dump my brain on you all, like it or not. <laughs> yeah, this is just the format that I've been using. I think this is the fifth one now since I started, and I really appreciate everyone who has come along with me on this journey of just sitting down each Friday and Saturday, depending how I feel on each day, and reviewing what happened in the week and maybe go into a little bit more in depth versus some of the videos that I put out or maybe expand on some thoughts and just use this as a way for me to both sit down and think about the things that have happened, try to approach it from different angles and allow you know everyone who's watching this to also take part of the conversation. So if you enjoy anything that I'm going through or you find something interesting, definitely drop a comment as we go through and share your thoughts. If you like what you watch, you know, hit the like button and all that good stuff that helps the YouTube algorithm. So Let's get started with the first topic of the day, which seems like this thing happened, you know, like a year ago almost. I was sitting down, I'm trying to figure out, okay, what are the big things that we should talk about this week? And it would be very foolish of me to not mention that, hey, uh, Elon bought Twitter. <laughs> okay, at least he put in the preliminary offer to do so. Uh, this happened on Monday of this week, uh, five days ago, roughly. So yeah, today's Friday, 429. And so, you know, it already feels like such a like such a while, you know. It was such a big thing that happened, and there were a lot of people out there, to my surprise, that still felt like this was not going to be a likely thing. That Elon approaching the board and uh, of Twitter and putting in a, a formal offer for some reason, folks didn't take it seriously. That hey, this is just you know some sort of stunt, or uh, it's not. He's not going to get it done. That was very interesting to watch. And I think that was coming from a subset of the population that still somehow, you know, right or wrong, they still believe that Elon Musk is not capable of maybe executing on some big things potentially, or for some reason they haven't seen his previous track record. You know, I think all of us in the Tesla community have seen that um, if Elon has his mindset on something, <laughs> excuse me, I have to sneeze there. I'm going to keep this unedited. <laughs> Um, if he has his mindset on something, he usually gets it done. And something as large as purchasing Twitter seems to me like if he's going to have his mindset on it and it's something that he feels is very important, it's going to get done. And lo and behold, it got done, right? Now, there, of course, there's going to be a lot of steps that still have to happen from a due diligence, stand due diligence standpoint. The, the Twitter folks still have to go through the deal. Elon has to, you know, put together all the funding and all the different terms and everything from his side to ensure that he gets the company in the way that he wants to get it while negotiating through some of the, you know, little things that uh, the Twitter board and the and the Twitter lawyers and Elon's lawyers and Elon have to sift through. So, but it's, this is basically a hundred percent in my opinion. Uh, the one big thing that happened this week is uh, one of the things Elon had to do to, to, as a, one of the, I guess, conditions of the deal was Elon had to have uh, a certain level of cash put towards the deal so that it was uh, palatable enough for under other funds, other funding sources to come on board and jump on the deal with him. So uh, the different banks, different investors, lenders and things like that. So and that caused a uh, we found out yesterday on Thursday that Elon was selling shares uh, earlier this week. And I'm hearing the garbage truck go by 
and I my head went like, did I put the garbage out? I did. So, okay, good. I don't know if you heard that in the background, but um, so yeah, so he had to go through that process and it looks like uh, all told he sold about $8 billion uh, of Tesla shares to fund the deal and that cash plus all the other funding sources that he's put together for the deal are going to be used to purchase Twitter. Now, what's very interesting about this is the timing of it. I think it's going to be way quicker than a lot of people realize. And certain folks were talking about this yesterday as well. When, once the forms came out that uh, sort of confirmed that he's he's selling the shares. I believe it was Gary Black. Gary Black is uh, somebody I follow on Twitter. He's a great financial analyst. Um, one of the things I really respect about Gary is that the dude's a savage. He just says it how it is. Like he does not sugarcoat anything. He's very like black and white. Here's what's going on. I don't really care about your feelings <laughs> kind of thing. So Gary, if you're listening to this dude, mad respect. You're awesome. But one of the things he mentioned is that, hey, there's going to be some hastiness behind this deal and this might catch people by surprise. And I 100% agree with that. So um it's probably no secret to most people listening to this channel. I worked at Tesla for four years, but uh, one of the things that I, one of the things that everyone always talks about is how fast uh, Elon's companies are at getting to where they need to be, and that's mainly because Elon and and the way he's built the culture is hey, like there should be no like time shouldn't should never be a thing where we have to extend any longer than it has to be. Doesn't make any sense to wait on certain things. We have to get this stuff done as quickly as humanly possible, right? And the fact that he's already pulled a trigger, you know, like, what is it, two, one, literally, really one day after the deal was made public that he, that the board has accepted his offer, essentially, uh, and then after, now they have to go through the due diligence process. The day, the day after he starts selling shares, boom, immediately starts selling shares. And so I think what that, what that signals to the market and signals to the Twitter board and everybody involved in the deal is that Elon's looking to get this thing done as quickly as humanly possible, that he's looking to get this thing done really like what are the limiting factors from a timing perspective or, or a process perspective that has to get done. And if it's simply paperwork or getting funding secured, <laughs> funding secured that remove the, like no one should be waiting like what are the steps we need to take to get this thing going like tomorrow okay so initially in my head when the sort of thing was made public uh about the board accepting the deal in my head i'm like okay it's going to be like a maybe four month thing or a six month thing but now that he's sort of put the cash together from his side man i don't know i, I think this might take like this might be as quick as a 30-day thing and I have nothing to base this on, honestly. I, this is just gut feel. But you think about all the different uh, things that go into making a deal. And a lot of it is just trying to get the right parties together and then uh, working on, on the schedule of whoever's the slowest, right? Uh, whoever's the slowest. But the fact that he has such a premium on the deal, if you remember, the stock price was 38 bucks before Elon came out as a... Uh, investor having a stake of 9.2% in the company was 38 bucks. And then he made an offer of $54 a share. So it's basically call it a 40% premium, almost 50% premium. Uh, tw those the, the Twitter folks are going to want their money like as soon as humanly possible, right? So waiting, waiting on Twitter's uh, from Twitter's perspective makes little to no sense. If you're a company who, uh, or if, if you're an investor and somebody's offering you 40% over market price, it's in your best interest to take that cash immediately and run, okay? And the way Elon operates is that he's also 
like we talked about, somebody who really wants to go fast. So those two dynamics, I think, are going to make this deal go by probably in record time. I think folks are going to be sort of surprised at how quickly this thing gets done. Uh, and and it's it's going to it's going to be very interesting to watch. It's going to be very interesting to watch. Yeah, I think those that think that this is going to be a a multi month thing, where I, I was initially in that camp until the him selling the shares came out. Yeah, this is going to be quick. You know, again, I could be wrong about the thirty day thing. So, so what are the implications of that? I think, I think the changes to Twitter are going to come faster than maybe most people realize. I think we're going to start hearing noise internally from Twitter about um, the culture change sooner than we think. One of the videos I put together on earlier this week on Monday was talking. I was trying to give advice to uh, Twitter employees knowing how Elon's companies work. And it was honestly made in a way so that if any Twitter employees saw that and they were kind of concerned about the, the culture change and how they could be successful... <clears throat> Excuse me. I tried my best to outline what are the best steps. <coughs> Excuse me. My goodness. What are the best steps they can take to be as successful as possible in that new culture? Okay. So I'm curious to see what sort of stories come out internally. I'm sure there's going to be a subset of that company that is not going to be used to working under that environment. And the sort of climate that we're in now, you know, there's going to be certain dynamics that are going to be very um, headline worthy, you know, Twitter employees, you know, I'll give an example, Twitter employees up in arms about Elon's, um, I don't know, sweatshop like culture, uh, expectations of long working hours are um, destroying company morale. I don't know, like something like that, right? And that's always so interesting to me. I could be 100% wrong. I could be 100% wrong. And the, and the Twitter folks, none of that happens. And everybody slides right in perfectly. Or better yet, they come up with an even, even a better way of running a company uh, in some way. So, you know, who am I to say? But that's going to be interesting to watch. The other thing that's super interesting about this purchase is that Elon has... It has been dominating the headlines in a way, in my opinion, that has never been done before for him. You could draw a parallel back to like 2017, 2018, 2019, when we had that incredible FUD storm. For those that are not familiar, listen to this. Uh, if, you, if you were part of the Tesla community back then and an investor, between 2017 and 2019, it seemed like there was a negative headline uh, towards Tesla and Elon daily which was uh, very oftentimes crafted in a way that was uh, very dishonest, which was, you know, a little jarring uh, for, for, for a long period of time. In this, this respect, it's not necessarily, it's not being misreported or it's not being um, crafted in a way that could be negative. It, it is in some respects, but there's also a lot of reports that are just saying, hey, this is what's happening, which is uh, in a way somewhat refreshing. You know, there are there are certain media outlets that are out there saying, hey, like Elon buying Twitter is bad for free speech or is um, is dangerous free speech absolutism or whatever he defines it as is dangerous. He's going to promote racist language and blah, blah, blah. And then you have the other side of the spectrum saying this, you know, that side's losing their mind. This is one of the best things that has ever happened for free speech in America and so on and so forth. So um, he's Elon has become the sort of center now of political discourse. 
in that I find that fascinating. I find that really, really fascinating. And it's really catapulting him into the social scene, like like the zeitgeist, like the culture conversation at a much broader scale than just specifically around technology and self-sustaining energy. There's a lot more dimensions now. There's a lot more complexity to Elon's uh, person, to, to who he is as a person and his views. And a lot of people are getting more insight and exposure to how Elon thinks and how he approaches things and perhaps where he is on that political spectrum. And I can tell that people... Certain people on the in the Tesla community are being are jarred by that, and they're um, sort of concerned about that because they you know they could view that as a distraction. They view that as a uh, as a dangerous situation for Elon's ability to succeed. He's gonna you know bring a lot of unwarranted attention to himself, things like that. But I think what's most interesting for me is just observing the broader culture getting to know Elon better and getting to know his missions better and how he approaches problems better and sort of this uh, movement and culture that has been happening for the last 10 years of having this sort of business leader and um, you know technology leader, whatever you want to call him, this very unique, super unique person pushing this stuff along and he's not just focused on electric cars, but he's focused on the broader advancement of civilization. And now more people are starting to get exposed to that. And what is that going to do for the Tesla community down the road? You know, in one of my videos, I talked about how I think the, or it wasn't one of my videos, I forget, how the, the Tesla community here in the coming, in the coming year or so, is probably going to 10x. You know, the Tesla community, the SpaceX community, the Elon community, whatever you want to call this community that we're all part of, right, that, that have been following for a while. It's going to become gigantic because you think about what Twitter is. Twitter has a capability of reaching everybody, right? Twitter is, is capable of reaching every single person that has an Internet connection and theoretically has the ability to get around any sort of VPNs or firewalls that they're in, right? So let's throw out the number of, say, 3 billion people. Let's say a little bit less than half of the world's population has access to an open Internet or an Internet where Twitter is accessible, okay? 3 billion people. So now 3 billion people are going to have access to an Elon product firsthand. They're going to get to experience an Elon product and an Elon service, rather, I should say. And well, I guess it's both. Uh, uh, an Elon thing firsthand, not like uh, uh, secondhand or passive, right? So contrast that to Tesla and SpaceX and all the other things he, he has, right? You have a thing where Elon, like Tesla and SpaceX, can be experienced directly and passively. Tesla owners, as an example, experience Elon's products and services directly. Um, uh, satellite companies experience SpaceX products directly. Okay, all of us that are not part of that sort of, you know, an astronauts. If we're not part of that group, we we, we experience SpaceX passively. Uh, Tes Tesla fans that don't have the product experience Tesla passively, but they're very passionate about the mission. Right? These are all passive experiences. The really interesting thing about Twitter is that Twitter is going to allow people, the really those 3 billion people, to experience an Elon product or service directly. 
directly, right? Once he has that company under his wing and he has his leadership structure put in place and changes start happening overnight and the and the platform becomes, in my opinion, is going to become the greatest social media platform on planet Earth because Elon is extremely good at setting up, at, at setting gold standards when he's, uh, his products become the gold standard of that specific field. Tesla, best electric car by far, one could argue the, the best car company uh, from a profitability perspective. I mean, that's fact already. Best car company period could be, you, you can make the argument, best uh, battery technology company, best solar company, best AI company, right? You can, there's a lot of bests. SpaceX is not even a question, best, best rocketry company by far right so it's very likely that twitter becomes the best social media platform on earth and the barrier of entry for that platform is essentially zero as long as we have an internet connection right so now those people are going to get to experience the magic of elon's companies firsthand the innovation of those companies firsthand the speed of improvement of those companies firsthand and this might create a light bulb moment for that 3 billion people that have been experiencing these companies either passively or not at all, right? It might give them a light bulb moment that says, okay, so I know, you know, let's assume that everybody knows that Elon owns Twitter. They're going to see firsthand that, wow, this guy knows what he's doing. <laughs> this guy's very good at what he does. And he keeps improving these things. And this is by far the best product. And that creates a lot of trust, right? That should create a lot of trust before the product user and the product owner, which in this case is Elon. And so you think about the long-term effects of that. So what does that mean? One could make the argument, in this case me, is that those people that previously didn't experience those companies firsthand are now going to see Twitter as the gateway for the rest of the Elon Musk sort of um, um, ecosystem, it's an it's a it's an entryway, it's a <laughs> it's a gateway drug, <laughs> it's a way to enter the the universe that he's created. So, if you thought there were a lot of people that wanted a Tesla today, I think those that experience Twitter once Elon Musk gets his hands on it and starts improving it, I think that that group is going to ten x. Okay. The news about him, what he's doing on Twitter, and if he's if he's successful in executing it at a high level, those news are going to increase his popularity. Okay, if you thought Cybertruck pre-orders were crazy, now wait until a year from now. And what's super interesting about that dynamic too is that you think about the the demographics that are super high on Elon right now. Like you know, I don't know if you pay attention to news uh, channels and stuff, but Fox News, if you're not familiar, Fox News is a television network in the, in the United States that's uh, more right-leaning, so more conservative-leaning, meaning that their they're, uh, newscasters and the way they cover news generally are put within a lens where uh, the conservative political spectrum is highlighting good or bad things about what's going on versus, like, say, a CNN or MSNBC that's more left-leaning, okay? Um, and that network is loving Elon right now and this whole Twitter thing and this whole uh, free free speech thing that he's sort of enveloped himself for for Twitter. They're freaking loving it. What percentage of pickup truck owners or the owners that um, theoretically would be in that Cybertruck segment are conservative or right-leaning? It's a, a very big... <laughs> 
it's like 80%, right? I'm not saying every single pickup uh, owner is a conservative by nature, but it just so happens that a lot of folks that are conservative own pickup trucks. And I'm saying this completely out of my butt and I don't have any uh, statistical data that shows this, only um, when I talk to people and I get to know people a little bit deeper and I find out that they're conservative, every single one of them has a freaking pickup truck. And when I talk to people that don't aren't conservative and they're more liberal, like sort of left-leaning, they don't have pickup trucks. And again, this is maybe a sample size of 80 or maybe 70. It's a small sample size, but it's very interesting to watch. And if, if you, if you want to correct me on this point, please do. So my point with this is that the Twitter angle also has this sort of underlying thing where the popularity of Elon and his products and his companies is going to continue to skyrocket and it's going to penetrate certain demographics that previously were unimaginable, okay? He's, so essentially in a way, either passively or directly, Elon is now creating a, uh, a, a, a um, man, it's like so, so crazy. It's almost like marketing, right, in a way, but he is bringing a lot of people that from very varying views and varying backgrounds and varying political uh, sort of um, leanings under his ecosystem. Everybody, like everybody. So it's almost creating this unity around his products and around his services. And it's, my God tells me that it's going to, if you thought he's popular now, and if you thought his companies were popular now, and if you thought Tesla demand was through the roof, this is just the beginning. And I think Twitter, again, either directly or passively, it's going to create a lot of, it's going to create a lot of additional attention and demand and want for what he stands for and what he produces. So fascinating stuff. Fascinating stuff. It really, really is. Let me know what you think about that that sort of train of thought. It's it's maybe a little bit out there, but to me, like in my opinion, it's somewhat. It's it's there. I see a clear path towards that where there's going to be a lot of unity of very many different folks that are going to uh, congregate around this sort of leader, this Elon Musk figure. And his products and his services are going to have extremely broad appeal. And it's not just going to be like, oh, tree hugger, sort of, I only like uh, this car because it's good for the environment sort of thing. And it was, we were kind of walking away from that. But now you're going to have your, what were uh, initially thought of as like, oh, only diesel trucks, only diesel cars, only gas cars or whatever, or conservative leaning versus liberal leaning. Now, essentially, there's acceptance for everybody, you know, and, and not, not, there didn't need to be that accept, acceptance before, but it's, it's a magnet for very complex people. And that's what it really needs to come down to, right? These labeling of, of groups is kind of like muddying the waters of what Elon's actually doing because Elon is actually, he's successfully bringing complex people together. He's bringing people of different leanings and different wants and different needs and different values together. And yeah, I think I think that's a huge deal. And one of the passive benefits of that is that if you're investing in his companies, they're probably going to 10X. <laughs> so um, in my opinion, so we'll see if that actually comes out or not. So, and like we talked about briefly before, one of the things that he had to do uh, to fund this was to sell some Tesla shares, which caused the Tesla stock to go down by quite a bit this week. 
there was a lot of people panicking a little bit on Tuesday. I think the stock went down like 13% or something crazy. And folks were obviously losing losing their minds, rightfully so. The stock went from like 990 bucks to like 870 bucks or something like that. Pretty steep drop in one day. And there was a lot of people panicking and stuff like that, which, which they should have. But uh, I think that's just another reminder that, hey, Tesla is going to have, you know, Tesla is going to have days where a certain price movement is going to be, it's going to be uh, hard to swallow. But for those that have been sort of following Tesla for a long time, excuse me, I bumped my microphone there. Um, this is just part of the game, you know, and, and the longer term your sort of horizon is for the stock price, price movements like that in the near term um, shouldn't be that impactful. So one of the things that, you know, I'm not an investment expert whatsoever, but one of the things I've learned is that you know, if you're honest about your time horizon, meaning like if you're honest to yourself about how long you're willing to hold a stock, days like that shouldn't matter. Or days like that should be like, yeah, I mean, sucks, negative numbers, but it is what it is. I'm in it for the long term, right? So it's always very interesting to see that dynamic nowadays. I think what I'm curious to learn about is, and I would love to know this, is like how many people is still in the Tesla community feel like very long-term holders of the stock, you know? Like I remember back in, I started investing in 2012 and I remember way back, like 10 years now, um, so many people were in it for the long-term. It, you know, so much of the Tesla community was, this is a 10-year investment, this is a 15-year investment, this is a, you know, 20-year investment. Who knows how long it is? It's a long-term investment. And now 10 years later, what is that subset now? Is it still, is it still the same sort of group that wants to stay put for ten more years? You know, it that that's very interesting to watch because as Tesla's goals continue to be very long term, you know, now, now that they've come up with the bot and full self driving and will not come out, but they're ramping up towards those things. There's still that five ten year time horizon that's applied to the um, to the value of the company and the stock. And if a significant percentage of the stockholders are in that camp, then ensuring that Tesla has a lot of future products that are going to be revolutionary is super important for the company. And what's interesting there too is like when people question Tesla about, hey, like you shouldn't be distracted with a bot, you shouldn't be distracted with full self-driving, let's just focus on you know, profitability and getting the cars ramped as much as possible is a distraction. I think folks miss the point that a lot of people that are invested, my theory, a lot of people that are invested in Tesla, especially the retail investors, they want to see that because that is why they invested in the company in the first place. It's the five to 10 year roadmap. It's not the, let's get the car profitability up so I can, um, you know, get a good rate of return in two to three years. It's the, hey, I think this is a 10X in 10 years. Hey, I think this is a 10x in five years. Okay, so watching that dynamics very interesting. And days like Tuesday, where it went down 13, percent you can kind of see that dynamic of how many people sort of are like, "Damn it, like this is crazy," or "It is what it is." Like this is just part of the game, right? Um, it seemed, it seemed probably, in my opinion, I think uh, from what I saw on Twitter and other places, it seemed like. Um, I was actually impressed. Like it, it didn't seem like a lot of people were really that freaked out. Uh, they were definitely upset, <laughs> but 
it wasn't like this doom and gloom thing that would have come up uh, previously back in 2017, 2018, where, you know, the stock would go down by 50% and people would just be in complete despair. You know, this is more like, I, this shouldn't be happening, right? That that was the sort of over overarching theme that I saw was this shouldn't be happening. Like this is dumb, you know. Back up the truck, load up, you know. Like get more stock. I wish I could. I don't have any freaking cash, but I wish I could have, right? So, yeah, very interesting to watch. And again, a reminder that if you are a Tesla investor, like moments like that are 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 shocking, but it's part of the part of the game with Tesla. So. Uh, just another thing that really jumped out at me. So, but it does seem like Elon is done. It does seem like he's done uh, selling shares as of yesterday, as of Thursday. He had a tweet that said that he was done selling shares, and so one would assume that moving forward, any selling pressures on the stock will be dramatically reduced because now you don't have this um, person, in the case of Elon, selling uh, ten million shares or however many he sold, or eight million shares or whatever. So, yeah. Interesting dynamic, and yeah, that was fascinating to watch. Uh, and yeah, man, it's just the way to wrap up. I, th I think this weekly this weekly review is the Twitter stuff this week has been sort of a little bit of a I don't know what it is, maybe like a shock to the system. It seems like it's it's brought up a lot of voices that were pent up that wanted to share their opinion about how our society was going in a sense i think it's given a lot of um i think it's empowered many people to be more comfortable with their ideas in the open i think that's one of the benefits of this thing you know regardless of what how you feel you know the, of the execution and the person leading the charge in elon and the different opinions about it i think one of the good things that has come out of it that I'm starting to see is that I think there's more people out there that are comfortable with or more comfortable with sharing their opinions in a public forum. You know, there's been this and I don't know if you felt this way. I've, I felt this way sometimes. I, I felt like there was a sort of an undertone to our society in a sense that said that, hey, like you should you should keep certain things to yourself. You know, like, of course, like, you shouldn't be a dick. You shouldn't be a jerk. But, like, no, certain things you should keep to, you should keep to yourself. Like, no, it's it's not worth talking about. Like, don't bring, like, the one, the one thing I would always hear is, like, don't bring politics into the mix. And conceptually, I that always was a strange thing for me to understand. Because, you know, I get people want to be on one side or the other, and they sort of want to keep it to themselves. But I think people, I think the underlying reason why folks would say that and I and I'm not and I'm not hating on people that would say that. I'm just I'm just trying to rationalize why somebody would say that. Is that because whenever you do that, it creates an environment. It creates a shitstorm. <laughs> it creates an environment where it just it just devolves into madness. It devolves into 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 shit. It devolves into just people just slinging crap at each other. And that is a symptom of having a very uh, polarized civilization. It's very polarized society at least in, in the united states if, if, if we're going to use that as an example and so that's why like comments like hey there are certain things you could keep to yourself you should keep to yourself don't bring politics into the mix you know the only reason why folks would want to say that in my opinion is because they want to avoid the 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 shit storm that's going to happen and why ruin a good conversation why ruin a good video by bringing this stuff into it and i agree there there's a certain time and place to have these conversations but 
I think one of the side effects of that is that it may have made some people hesitant to bring that up period anywhere ever. Like it just became a thing like it just 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 in your brain do it and then you would have this pent up energy. You would have like, oh my God, I got to get this out, but I, I shouldn't because people are going to be upset by it. And then maybe that's why we ended up with a society or, 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 or environment where people would like just Blah, like everything would come out at once and it would be done on Twitter or on some sort of social site and it would be in the most aggressive most uh, vitriolic way possible because there's so much pent up energy and so much pent up anxiety from getting those thoughts out and in a way we crafted a society where it wasn't okay for us to or, or it was discouraged to have those sort of discussions openly whenever you felt like having them and then you just ward vomit everything out because you have so much energy and, and pent up anger or whatever anxiety in and then it comes out at once in a different lens or a different light that you want it to and then somebody reads that they're like what the f you know, what the hell's wrong with you? And then they're also pent up and then they water vomit on top of you and then you create this this pile of crap, right? So I wonder how much of this Twitter thing now is going to create uh, more of an environment where folks are going to be more comfortable or they're going to be willing to having those conversations more openly so that it doesn't turn into this pent up energy in your body or in your brain where you feel like you perhaps want to talk about it, but you shouldn't. And then you end up sort of projectiling that out all at once. Okay. That's just an example. But I do think that there's a lot of positives from sort of passive positives from this purchase. I think it's empowering people to be more comfortable with their ideas and their opinions. As long as we keep in mind that we should be respectful of those opinions, of those person's opinions, even though we could very aggressively disagree with them, right? It's sort of this return to form of, hey, like what you're saying doesn't resonate with me and I, and I completely disagree, even though I can see where you're coming from potentially. But even if I don't, I respect your opinion and it's not a reflection of you as a good or bad person. It's just your idea. And let's sit down and debate that idea, right? Let's, if people are up for it, sit down and debate it. And if you're not up for it, thank you for sharing that. I disagree with you, respect your opinion, but you know, I, I can't go along with that. And if you're very passionate about the other side, you say, listen, I really disagree with you. This is why, this is how I feel about it. You know, feel free to take it however you want. And hopefully the person's like, I get it. You know, I understand where you're coming from, or maybe I don't even understand where you're coming from, and I really disagree with you. But again, it's it's your opinion. You know, it is what it is, and it's unfortunate, right? Or or whatever, whatever the conversation could be. So, yeah, interesting to watch. I hope that's the sort of dynamic we start having where it's almost like maybe people maybe will end up in a thing. You know, because these things tend to self-correct in a way. I wonder if we're going to end up in a, in a society where people are just going to be saying whatever they want all the time <laughs> and everyone's going to be mega accepting of what everybody's saying, right? Could that be a, an outcome of this thing? Because we've been sort of on the other side a little bit where, you know, you don't 
talk about that stuff or you try not to. And then if you do talk about it, it's super loud and angry and anxiety ridden. And then you get extremely hard reactions. Maybe the other side is everybody is always communicating it and the anxiety never builds up and we're just having open conversation and everybody's super accepting of it. And everybody just is seeking out those conversations because maybe they learn from it or maybe they they become stimulated by it in a positive way. Could that be one of the potential outcomes? That'd be freaking cool. Probably not going to happen, but that'd be cool. But I think that's one of the underlying things about what's happening with Twitter and Elon as well. So let me know what you think about that idea. You know, again, it could be sort of a pie in the sky, overly optimistic. I do sometimes feel like I might be overly optimistic with these things or maybe think that I'm too, I don't know, maybe maybe I have um, an unrealistic, positive attitude for society in some ways. But I feel like, I don't know, I feel like if it's, you know, it, it, this is an Elon thing and I learned at Tesla, like if it's within the within the uh, bounds of physics, like it's a possible thing that can happen. So why would physics prevent us from having that sort of world? It's just, it's just how people behave with each other. There isn't like a, there isn't a law out there of physics that's going to prevent us from doing it. Maybe there's a societal law. Maybe there's a thing with society that could prevent us from having that. I've been reading this book, Sapiens. I'm still got to finish it, but I've, like, I've been reading a little bit every day because it's it's like I've been busy with other stuff, but I, I want to get at least a few pages in every day. And I'm almost done with it. And that's sort of the history of mankind. Human beings are freaking weird, man. We we are we're a complex, weird sort of species. But just because it's never been done before doesn't mean that it can't happen in the future. Right? How many times have we learned this through the stuff that Elon's building? Nope. Everybody thought Tesla was impossible. SpaceX was impossible. Yet we're in this world where both companies are leading the charge. Why can't we have that from a sort of society perspective where all ideas are discussed? All ideas are are absorbed for what they are. And there's open dialogue and discussion to to come to some sort of common ground or agreement of disagreement. And shake hands and say, cool, got it. Let's go have a beer. Let's go talk about your kids. Like, how's your family doing? What do you, what sport, who's, you know, are you following the football game? You know, like then talk about the things we share in common, you know, six sneakers, bro. Where'd you get them from? You know, like, can we have that world? I don't know. Uh, maybe, maybe too optimistic for me, maybe too optimistic of me to say, but you know, we'll see. You never know. You never know what can happen. So anyway, Let's wrap it up there. Thank you very much for staying with me for this week. I'm going to go play tennis here in about uh, in a couple hours with a, with a buddy of mine. I'm excited to do that again. I've started playing tennis again, so I'm, I'm looking forward to getting to that. I was having this heel issue for the longest time, and uh, I think it's finally getting cleared up. I think it was like plantar fasciitis or some fasciitis, something like that. So got that figured out, I think. So I've been stretching my Achilles quite a bit in my, in my heel tendon thing whatever the hell that is uh so i'm, I'm hopeful that that's resolved uh and and then I've, I've been running quite a bit too and i've last what was it wednesday i had the best run i've ever had i think in my life maybe not the best run in my life but man i got back into it felt so good like i was in the zone where i was going at at the pace at a, i was going at a pace that i was very uh it was both extremely comfortable and challenging and my breathing was 
I was breathing, like I was breathing, I was taking in oxygen, I was and it was leaving my body and my heart rate was elevated. It was like going real good. That was like 160, 158 or something like that. But everything it was it was challenging. It was it felt like I was putting in effort, but it was it felt incredible. It's so hard to explain. It, it was just in a zone. It was it was in a zone of effort that felt incredible. And now I can't wait to replicate that feeling. <laughs> and I think that's how people get addicted to running, right? Like they, they, they want to get in that zone where they can feel like they are putting an effort, but the effort feels extremely comfortable. It's a comfortable discomfort almost. If you're a runner, let me know if, if I'm thinking about this concept properly because I can see how that can become very addicting. So yeah, so I can't wait to do that again. But I'm playing tennis today. I don't want to overdo it with my heel. So I'm going to play tennis today. I'm probably going to take, I don't know if I'll take the weekend off, but I'll definitely take at least one day off. And then when my legs feel good, I'll, I'll go back and start running uh, for the rest of the week. So, and I have a 5K on May 21st, uh, my first one in freaking years. And, you know, I used to run 5Ks all the time. And now it's, uh, it was a challenge because I've been sitting at a freaking desk for so long and working. And now I'm finally back into my sort of routine running again and I'm, I'm excited to uh get that 5k in so uh, hopefully start the trend of 5k 10k 20k and then a uh, marathon maybe uh in a couple of years we'll see what happens so thank you so much for stopping by have a great weekend uh i hope you have a, a great time with whatever fun stuff you want to do and then uh, videos will resume again on monday of next week and then if you haven't been uh if you're not aware yet uh, I do have a lot of podcast conversations on this channel and i've created a clips channel specific to uh, taking the sort of the cool things we talked about in a podcast and taking a clip from it and putting them on a clips channel. And I've started to build a catalog of all the conversations I've had, plus any future conversations I'll be having. If you want to check that out, it's under Farzad Clips, F-A-R-Z, F-A-R-Z-A-D. I can't even explain my own name. F-A-R-Z-A-D, Clips. Search for that on YouTube. And I also have a link for that in my description below. If you're on a podcast um, thing listening to this right now on YouTube, Farzad Clips, we should be able to find that, no problem. So thank you so much once again. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you on the next one. Take it easy. Bye-bye.